This week's episode is brought to you by the world premiere of Sickening Pictures' upcoming release, Powerbomb. Powerbomb is the story of an independent wrestler on the verge of breaking into the big time, but he's contemplating leaving it all behind to spend more time with his family. When our wrestler's biggest fan hears the news, he decides to take matters into his own hands to ensure that his champion gets to the top by any means necessary. The film stars Lucha Underground's own Matt Cross, Wes Allen, who is a friend of the show, Ronnie Jonah, and Women of Honor's Britt Baker. The film is directed by the duo of Zach Schildwachter and BJ Colangelo. Powerbomb premieres at 7pm on Thursday, December 6th at the Capitol Theater in Cleveland, Ohio. For ticket information, please visit www.clevelandcinemas.com and support independent cinema. Hey, do you like weird movies? You do? Have you heard of Vinegar Syndrome? Find them online at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. Vinegar Syndrome is one of the leading exploitation and grindhouse preservation and distribution companies in the world. They've got a simple three-step process that I call the three R's. Recover, restore, and release. Vinegar Syndrome has an amazingly large film archive consisting of thousands of 35 and 16 millimeter negatives and prints and are actively finding films that are underappreciated, undervalued, and underseen. So many of their releases have never seen the light of day since VHS and they're restoring them to all their glory. Some of these films do not have the right to look as good as they do, but they do. I'm looking at you corpse grinders. Vinegar Syndrome has their own method of restoration where their goal is to recreate the theatrical experience as best as they can. With their own in-house lab, they scan, color grade, and restore each title personally. You'll never see any grain reduction and digital trickery on their discs. Vinegar Syndrome is a very exciting label, and we're proud to have them as a sponsor. They've been with us since the beginning, and we love them for it. Check out their website today and grab yourself a copy of Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, Body Melt, Wonder Woman, Ice Cream Man, Christmas Evil, Dolomite, or my favorite, the Wisconsin Blood Trilogy of Blood Beef, Blood Hook, and the upcoming Blood Harvest. Once again, be sure to visit them at www.vinegarsyndrome.com and grab yourself something cool. Let them know your good friend Michael sent you. Today's episode of The Shameless Picture Show is sponsored by Mill Creek Entertainment. Mill Creek is the industry leader when it comes to value price DVD and Blu-ray features and compilations. They have one of the largest catalogs out there, ranging from kids programming, classic films and television, independent cinema, documentary, and Latino cinema. Hell, they even produce their own content in-house. Mill Creek is a trusted partner with some of our favorite studios, including Sony Pictures, Walt Disney Entertainment, Warner Brothers, CBS Home Entertainment, and many more. And the best part about Mill Creek is how easy they are to find. Mill Creek has deals with thousands of big box stores, grocery stores, drug stores, and practically any other retailer you can imagine. Trust me when I say I've owned plenty throughout my time as a collector without even realizing it. They're a name I can trust. Some of my favorite releases include Can't Hardly Wait, Night of the Living Dead, House on Haunted Hill from their Vincent Price collection, the complete series of Quantum Leap, the complete series of The Secret World of Alex Mack, and of course, you're the hunter from the future. Head over to www.milkcreekent.com, that's milkcreekent.com, and see what their collection has to offer. I guarantee you'll find something great. Here's the thing, like, if, if you want to be a Grinch, that's fine, but why on anybody's hat, like, if, if that brings that person joy, like, you don't have to be a part of it. No, like, you, I want... You t- hold your non-Christmas heart for as long as you want, I'm gonna live in Christmas because it makes me happy, goddammit. Exactly, like, there's some time, like, even, like, during, um... The year, like if there's days where I'm a little more bummed out, like you know what, I'm gonna wear my Grinch underwear just because it makes <laughs> me feel happy. <laughs> and nothing but my Grinch underwear, so everybody knows what kind yep. of a mood I'm in. And I've got multiple pairs. <laughs> and I don't care if I get kicked out of that Panera again. <laughs> they don't know how I feel that day. Damn it. <laughs> 
that got specific. <laughs> it was on the news. It's a thing. Yeah. Huh. I have no regrets. <laughs> but no, I've been in the Christmas spirit too. And then, you know, watching uh, Miracle on 34th Street definitely helped with that. And um, I've wanted to go back and rewatch some of the Christmas movies that I either have only seen once or haven't seen before this year. Like uh, Confession Time. I've only seen Elf the one time. It's so, so good. One of the points that I I have a small handful of these moments where in watching a movie, I laugh hard, you know, one of my top three laughs of all time. One of them we discussed Mm -hmm. uh, in Just Friends Mm -hmm. when, and it's oddly, though I'm not particularly into physical comedy, these all seem to be physical comedy bits. Physical comedy, when it works, it really works for you. Yes, yep. So uh, in Just Friends, there's a part where he sleds down and it flips over and his body tied to the sled slides across the ice that I love. In Elf, it's when, um, and and so much of the magic of this bit is how they frame the shot. It's one shot, it's on the little brother dealing with Christmas lights or something in the foreground. You can see the big Christmas tree that they cut down in Central Park in the background. And and he's kind of thinking to himself, how are we going to get the star up on the tree? And he never looks away. He's still in contemplation doing these lights. And, but he's like, I got it. And he grabs the star and goes off camera. And he's, he's still in the foreground doing the lights. And then Buddy comes running up, jumps onto the couch like a trampoline, <laughs> flies up into the tree, nowhere near the top, hugs it, and then the whole tree falls backwards onto him. <laughs> and the... I mean, kudos to the cinematographer and the director and the actors. Like, it wasn't what made it so funny wasn't just that he jumped into the tree. It was the framing, the way that that how I can't think of the character's name, but his his little stepbrother mm-hmm. or half brother, I guess. Um, how he doesn't how how he responds to it by not really responding at all. Um, he's just off. Like, there's so much to making that bit work, and that that is one of those like top three laughs that I've had in my entire life. Yeah, well, first time I saw Elf, like I, I uh, I'll be the first to admit I didn't like it a whole lot. I didn't dislike it, but I wasn't huge into Will Ferrell's style of comedy at the time. <laughs> okay. Um, but like, I know it's got such it's got such a um, a love for that film that like you know what that's my film i'm gonna rediscover this year Ooh! and uh like it's funny another film that like i rediscovered well that was weird a film i rediscovered uh, like a year I, I have the camera in such a place that it's filming mostly my back so i'm trying to turn out to the audience a little bit more so they can see me ah um a, a film that it's it's funny this is gonna be weird for you but like a film that i rediscovered a, like a it was either last year or the year before was actually the christmas story oh hear me out it's it's a movie that i watch every year but i never really pay much attention to it you know what confession time i was going to say almost the same thing about miracle on 34th street today yeah it's like so i rediscovered a uh, the christmas story and was kind of amazed by like how good of a movie it actually is you know, because this movie that like, usually it's on in the background, it's playing all day yep. at Christmas. Uh, but something clicked with me. I was like, well, Bob Clark directed this movie. And we talked about one of Bob Clark's other films on episode two, which is Black right. Christmas. Yep, yep. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I want to just rediscover. I want to sit down and actually watch this movie with a critic. And it's 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 funny. Like uh, Even a couple years ago, I rediscovered Christmas Vacation, a movie that I watch every year. But it wasn't until I got it on Blu-ray that I realized, oh, wow, this actually movie's actually really well shot. It's all yep. these things I didn't notice when I usually see it on TV. And I'm going to get on my heart horse, and that's why I believe that you should watch things, you know, you should buy a copy of something and watch it. But So um, something that I, I keep forgetting about every time I watch them, uh, and this is both Home Alone and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, is they were both written by John Hughes. Yes. Which always, uh, and then Christmas Vacation is produced by Frank Capra the <laughs> Third, which is so also, funny. yeah. I also, like, I, I you also don't when you continue. think of John Hughes, like there are all these little tangents to his career that 
I know, like you, you, you think of him as as one type of filmmaker, as but the then you Brad see, Pack. <laughs> you see about all the other types of films he's written. Like even a couple years ago, uh, they that movie Drill Bit Taylor was written. It was an old, unproduced <laughs> John Hughes script. Oh really? Yes. I ne- I never saw it, but I had no idea that it had that connection. And then like Chris Columbus directed Home Alone, and he yeah. wrote Gremlins. It's like, right. What is with this world? What is this world that we live in? I'm responsible for 19 of the 20 top grossing films of all time. 19? Yeah, the one about the kid by himself in his house, burglars trying to come in and he fights them off. I had nothing to do with that one. Somebody sold their soul to Satan to get the grosses up on that piece. <laughs> it's funny, but then they also have the, the, the John Hughes line in that movie when they're trying to find Shermer, Illinois, so they can go sell weed to all those yuppity yep. guys. <laughs> Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Virus, and with me, as always, is a man who's got to do something to keep warm. Nick Richards! I forgot about that line until you mentioned it, honestly. Oh, I love how he repeats it. Like, everybody that comes up to him, Oh, a man's gotta do something to keep warm. That Santa Claus's voice was not at all what I was expecting it to be. He just, he did not sound like you imagine a Santa Claus to right. sound like. It's kind of great. But, um... Because, uh, uh, unless, you, unless you did not read the description for this week's episode... Uh, we'll be discussing a classic Christmas film that's been on my shame list for ages, George, George Seton's Miracle on 34th Street. Made in 1947 under the title The Big Heart, Miracle on 34th Street uses Macy's department store and the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade as its backdrop. A man who looks a lot like Santa Claus, whom we only know as Kris Kringle, is wandering around New York set on finding the man who is to play Santa at the parade. Once he notices the imposter Santa is a drunk, Kringle finds the manager to the parade and insists he play the role instead. He does such a great job that Mr. Macy himself requests this man take on the role of Santa in their department store. As the film progresses, Kringle is adamant on spreading holiday cheer and showing that Christmas isn't just about commercialism and proving to a young girl that Santa Claus does, in fact, exist. Oh, and on top of all that, Santa is taken to court to prove that he has to prove to a court of law that he is, in fact, Santa Claus. Part heartwarming comedy, part courtroom drama, the film has it all. (laughs) Miracle is considered one of the greatest films of all time and has consistently topped multiple AFI lists of greatest films ever made in multiple categories. The film stars Maureen O'Hara, Natalie Wood, John Payne, and Edmund Gwen as Chris no good turn it off stop it turn it off that won't work it's no good what do you make a trailer for to give the public an idea of what kind of a picture to expect the boss we hilarious romantic tender exciting make up your minds it can't be all of those things mr shape if you'd look at the picture i don't have to look at the picture i know you're wrong tender exciting why, they're practically opposites. You've got to decide what kind of a picture this is. Is it a romantic love story? Is it an exciting thriller? Is it a hilarious comedy? Make up your minds. Now go to work and fix it up. Hey, Rex. How are you? Ed, how are you? Good to see you. How's the ghost of Mrs. Muir? It's pretty good, honey. How's New York? Fine. Say, Rex, have you seen Miracle on 34th Street? Yes, saw the preview. I've never heard laughs like it in the theater before. Oh, is that right? I don't miss it. I was crazy about it. You really think we've got something, huh? I don't know whether the women will like it, but it's a great man's picture. Well, it's nice to see you, Ed. Got to get back to work. Yeah. See you later. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Ann Baxter, Hello, good to see Ed. you. How are you? I haven't seen you since the Academy Awards. Congratulations on winning that Oscar. Thanks, Ed, very much. Oh, uh, say, Ann. Yeah? Have you seen Miracle on 34th Street? Have I? Ed, it's wonderful. Yeah, I understand. It's a pretty good comedy. Comedy? Well, I suppose that's true. I had a million laughs, but the thing that got me were, were the tears in between. It's so tender and charming and warm. I don't know how the men are going to like it. It's a great woman's picture. Is that so? Oh, there's one scene between John Payne and Maureen O'Hara. Well, he's trying to prove... No, I'm not going to spoil it for you. You go and see it. I'm sorry, Mr. Shaker. I'm just learning to drive. So I see. How are you, Peggy Ann? <laughs> I'm fine now that I know I didn't hit you. Tell me, have you seen Miracle on 34th Street? Three times, and it's simply groovy. Mr. Gwen's just wonderful. You know, we work together in Bob's Son of Battle. Yeah, I saw it. He's great in it. When you see him in this, you'll love him, and you'll love the picture, too. I tell you, it's a groovy movie. Don't you think so, Dick? Dick! Yeah. Dick Hames, I didn't see you. Well, I've been on the floor. That sudden stop got me. <laughs> oh, but seriously, Peggy's right. That miracle on 34th Street is really something. You know, with me, moving pictures have got to move. They've got to be exciting and different. And this thing is really it. It's the most unusual story that I've ever seen. In the last 20 minutes, the picture had me sitting on the edge of my seat every second of the time. And what a finish. Yeah. Maybe I ought to take a look at it. Well, if you run it again, tell me about it. Okay, we're ready. greatest picture I have ever made. And I've got the angle on the trailer. Boys, we've got to get across to the public that that picture has everything. Why, it's hilarious. It's romantic. It's tender. It's charming. It's delightful. It's exciting. And it's groovy. Yes, yes, Mr. Schaefer. That does it, boss. Mr. Schaefer, you've got a great idea. Naturally. Now, I'll tell you what we do. Uh, I'm going to correct one little thing on your, your description there. Um, he did not insist on being the Santa Claus uh, at the parade. She actually uh, uh, kind of strong-armed him into being oh, yeah, I guess you're Santa right. you're Claus right. for the parade. He, yeah, you're he didn't right. want to. He's like, no, I'm not going to fix your mistake. I'm, I'm not going to cover you know for this drunk Santa. Good point. All right, but I can't let the kids down. <laughs> Scratch my description. Put that one in. We're good to go. So again, your the, this one's on your shameless. So what did you think? I liked it a lot. It was um, uh, it was surprisingly funny. Yeah, which yep. I like. Like Edmund Gwen himself is extremely amusing. Like he's got so many quick witted uh, opinions. Like later on in the film when he's doing when they're in the courtroom. And they're like, where do you live? And he's like, well, that's what this court this court <laughs> hearing is here to decide. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's funny. He's good. <laughs> and everybody's sitting in the court, like, just chuckling and, and writing. And uh, I also, whenever he is, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, confronted about whether or not he is Santa Claus, mm-hmm. he handles it with such charm, but also so lightly. You know, he doesn't really, like, I loved when... Um, uh, God, what's her name? Uh, the mom, the Maureen O'Hara. Yep, yeah. when she is confronting him about this while he's having a conversation with the little girl, and he's like answering her questions with like 
with confidence and and joy. Yeah. But also then immediately turning back to the kid to ask her what her teacher's name is. And yeah. Like, it's just not a big deal to him. This is reality. And he I bet you're that, in the second grade. Right. And and nobody believes him, but he's accepted that. But it's, he still doesn't shy away from it. That charm is is so valuable in this movie. Would you please tell her that you're not really Santa Claus? That there actually is no such person? Well, I'm sorry to disagree with you, Mrs. Walker, but not only is there such a person, but here I am to prove it. No, no, no. You misunderstand. I want you to tell her the truth. Uh, what's your name? Chris Kringle. I'll bet you're in the first grade. Second. I mean your real name. That is my real name. Second grade? It's a progressive school. Oh, it's a progressive school. May I have this gentleman's employment card, please? Yes, Mrs. Walker. This dress is very cute. Where did you get such a lovely outfit? Here at Macy's. We get 10% off. Please don't feel that you have to keep pretending for Susan's benefit. She's a very intelligent child and always wants to know the absolute truth. Good, because I always tell the absolute truth. Now, about your school, what's the name of your teacher? Mrs. Haney. Mrs. Haney. Here it is, Mrs. Walker. Thank you. I love that we at the beginning of the film we don't know we, I love that there's practically no real setup yeah <laughs> it just it just begins with him walking down the street there's it, the 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 story of the film kind of unfolds as we go along and it's just got this nice meandering pace that's like he doesn't even have a mission until he meets the little girl and it's like well now this is what I yes. need to do and yep. yeah that and that that mission is you know we spoke in our last episode which was recorded like minutes ago uh, <laughs> uh, how especially with Christmas films films you've seen over and over again films that you put on not just to sit down and watch like you do with many movies a lot of Christmas movies you put on to have is like cheerful setting as you're doing yeah. something else decorating the tree making cookies wrapping presents. Um, this was the first time, because the last time that I watched it closely was probably when I was a kid, when I, I wasn't looking for this kind of stuff. This was mm -hmm. the first time that I really grabbed onto Chris Kringle's motivations, like yeah. what his mission was in this movie, because they don't dwell on it. No. It, it's, it's kind of, it, it is not the main focus of what's happening in the story, so that really helped me, like ground the santa claus character yeah um it, a, as a character in the movie not just the object of everybody else's motivations yeah his he, he like you i get the feeling that like okay he he's decided that he's gonna be santa claus and he wants kids to have a good christmas but then like once he meets um natalie wood's character who's the the daughter i don't remember her, i think her name was Susie, susan something like that Susie sounds right yeah. um she he realizes that like this is now his new mission like because here's a little girl and um doris maureen o'hara's character you know she's she's a single mom who works all the time trying to make a good life for her kid and i've and i don't you get the impression that she's done the best she can, but his her daughter has grown up to be a very, as a matter of fact, type of person. Very and she doesn't she doesn't have a lot of these this this childhood wonder that most that any the rest of the kids have. And his whole thing is he just wants he doesn't I don't I feel like he doesn't necessarily care if the kid believes that he's Santa Claus. She just want he just wants her to have a more normal childhood to be able to go out and have fun and throw inhibition to the wind and that's his goal uh and since you brought it up something that i wanted to point out and this seems like a good time to do it um how i'm amazed for based on when this was written and when this was made um how unapologetic or, or how irrelevant to the story it is that she is a divorced single mom with a uh, powerful career, strong opinions on things, a strong personality, and it is it never becomes a plot point yeah. at all, which is fantastic. Like that, that you can barely find that kind of thing in in today's films, and if it is, it's like billed as this 
feminist uh, film, like it's it's not mentioned. Nobody really even thinks about it that much. And and it's great that she is she is the the star of the film. I mean, maybe it's an ensemble cast to to a certain extent, but she is certainly one of the front runners. Yeah. To, it, it's not this like scandalous thing that she's divorced. It's not scandalous that she is a working mom. It's not like that's it's never questioned. And I just really, really appreciated that. No, I completely agree. Like I um actually I don't have a whole lot more to add on to it. The one <laughs> the one thing I will add on to it though is um John Payne's character, who's the guy across the uh the way, it annoyed the shit out of me. I have to say, like, like one, I think it's weird that this this woman just allows like her daughter to have two grown men as her as her friends. Like, I, I just think that's like when she was like, oh, when her maid is like, oh, she's with the man across the way. I'm like, what? Why yeah. are you so okay with this? Because you don't get the feeling, like when they, their first bit of dialogue, you don't get the feeling that they, that her and him are friends. That that they that they're aware of each other, that they had passed each other in the halls. But they, I'm guessing they, they've never talked really. It seems, yeah. and and then it's even weirder too. Like when the little girl is in on the like the him trying to like hook up with her mom. Like what <laughs> is happening? That that was odd. Yeah. <laughs> by by today's standards, I don't know if back then like uh, I'd, I'd hope it'd be odd it. back then. Yeah. Um. Yes, I, I made that same observation this time around. <laughs> I also, maybe I'm dig- digging too deep into this, but um, um, I'm wondering, too, if this film was also potentially talking about, was commenting on mental disorders a, a little bit as well. Oh, no, absolutely. I think the, the treatment of um, people with perceived mental uh, issues uh was a strong theme in this but no but like even so much so like what was the name of the uh the kid that chris takes a liking yes, to uh the boy uh god um i i had taken note of it but it's not popping into my head uh, um but anyways I, m- I mentioned him too because it just seems like i can't quite explain why i feel this way but i get i get the a vibe that the that he has got He's potentially not the the brightest crayon in the box, <laughs> and but he's just got this this need that he wants to do something good. Like they never touch on it, they never make it seem. Well, they never talk about if he's got any mental disorders. But I don't know. It kind of felt like he did. Yeah, and um, I didn't necessarily get that impression. I thought he was uh, normal, and certainly the the s- store. A counselor isn't even the right word, but um, uh, like uh, when when Chris gets so upset that he's been treating him on the side, um, spoke to that. Yeah, um, but I kind of lost my tra- my train of thought there for a second. Alfred. Alfred. Okay. Yes. Um, Played by Alvin Greenman. Yeah, like I said, I might be digging too much into it, but um, I, I definitely feel like Chris believed this kid still has a soul of a child. Yeah, yep. Uh, and that's one of the reasons he took to him so much. And Yeah, one, one bigger thing I want to talk about, since it has become a whole thing in this movie where, like, is he really Chris Kringle? Is he not... Uh, kind of remind me of that episode of The Simpsons where Homer befriends a gentleman he who he b- believes that he's Michael Jackson. Oh, of course I've heard of you. I mean, you'd have to be living under a rock not to know. What'd you say your name was? Michael Jackson. Doesn't ring a bell. Well, have you heard of MTV? Nope. Motown. No. Beat it. You beat it. Thriller. What was that last one? Thriller. Nope. Well, how about this? Billy Jean is not my lover. She's just a girl who says that I am the one. But the kid is not my son. <laughs> wow. How do you do that thing with your feet? The moonwalk? No, that thing with your feet. Here, look. Just raise your heel a bit. And put a little pressure on the ball of your foot. Uh-huh. Huh? Don't! <laughs> <laughs> you seem like a nice guy. Why'd they put you in here? Because I wore a pink shirt. I understand. 
People thought I was crazy for the way I dressed. What'd you wear? One white glove covered with rhinestones. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and it really begs the question, and I want to ask your opinion, do you believe that he was actually Santa Claus? Um, do, do I believe that the movie believed that he was Santa Claus? or Do you believe that the character was Santa Claus? Uh, yes, I do. Because I did not. You did not? I okay. did not think he was Santa Claus. And a couple of the little details that stuck out to me, so when they were looking at his, um, his record, so like when they, when they hired him, yeah, and I believe, and maybe it, I, I had, it was a, a loss of judgment, a loss of paying attention at one point, but I believe it said that he his residence was an elderly home. Yes, and they bring in um, the the operators of that elderly home. Yes, and they are completely aware that he is a person that lives there. And while the guy believes that he is Santa Claus, he is he lives at this elderly home with the rest of the other people. Yeah. And that's what gave me the idea that he honestly does believe that he is Santa Claus, but I don't think he is actually Yeah. the demigod that is Santa Claus. And, and certainly the court case all that determines is that the the post office run by the the federal government has acknowledged that he is Santa Claus. Yes. Like so- it, it speaks to, and I also found it really interesting how much this film relies on the political corruption of our judicial system. Yeah. Because if, if that judge was not running for re-election, then, then he's found to be insane and not Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's, like, there's, like, little bits of, like, what about Bob? I noticed in this movie, too. Oh, Faye, this is so scrumptious. Is this hand shucked? Mm-hmm. Would you like some more chicken, Bob? Mmm. Leo, do you want the breast? No, 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 that's fine. Eat up. Mmm, great biscuits, huh, Bob? Mmm, yeah. Great biscuits, great corn, great potatoes. You want some more salad, Bob? Yeah, I think I do. Pile it high and deep, will you please? Did you get that tomato off there, please? salt and pepper. Is there a salt substitute? I'll get it. And don't call me Leo. But you said in your office that I could call you Leo. That was in my office. In my home. I'd like you to call me Dr. Marvin. Because, like, it handled it with a good, in a good way, because my my issue of movies that, that involve Santa Claus are, so let's use these Santa Claus as an example. Um... So we've got Tim Allen as Santa Claus, and everyone's telling you, oh, Santa Claus isn't real. Santa Claus isn't real. But they can never explain where the presents come from. Right, yeah. Like, if presents mysterious should show up, you should know Santa Claus is real. But yet, they live in this world where, you know, whatever. This film did it really well, where I love that scene when the kid's like, I want a fire engine. I promise I won't use it outside. And he's good to yeah. call. Yeah, that was Cross fantastic. Cross my heart. Um, and then the mom's like, Macy's ain't got it. No one's got it. And he's <laughs> like, he, he's like, I wouldn't have said it if I didn't know it was true. I know he's going to get it. And it's not like, oh, I'm Santa Claus. I'm going to make sure he gets it. He's like, here's the, here's the store you can get it from. You can go buy it right now for this much money. Right. That kid yeah. will get that present. Where I love that, like, you know, Santa Claus isn't this being. He's bringing presents, but he's going to, like, 
making sure that the kids are... I, I don't know. I thought that was handled in a very interesting way. Yeah. And it's also another reason why I don't think that that uh, Edmund Gwen is actually Santa Claus. He's a man who believes he's Santa Claus. Well, let me throw a little curveball at you based on how you built your argument. Okay. Now let's define what Santa Claus is or isn't. Because if there is a man ensuring that every kid has a magical Christmas by any means necessary, whether he's up at the North Pole manufacturing them, or if he is a human being who's going around ensuring that every kid has a happy Christmas, is he maybe still Santa Claus? And I guess you you make a good point, because then we are breaking down the idea of what is a Santa Claus. Right. The way I'm viewing it as is we this is the Santa Claus that he is convincing that people believe to be Santa Claus, whereas he's got a, a mansion down in the North Pole, and he's got reindeers, he's got elves, he's probably got an amazing artillery that shoot candy canes. I just made all this up. <laughs> um, so, yes, I guess then if you're breaking it down of what is Santa Claus, this is, I can't believe this is going to be coming out of my mouth, Santa Claus is a state of mind. And if that is the case, then yes, he is in fact Santa Claus. But yeah. that is not the way the movie is is arguing. Like, I don't right. know, I guess maybe that is the movie the way, the way the movie is arguing. So in that case, yes, he is Santa Claus. But is he the Santa Claus? The Santa Claus. Uh, also, I think... Um, I, I have been um, uh, wrapped up in the magic of the film to the point of typically me asking whether or not he was a crazy old man or Santa Claus. That That's right up my alley. Like, I should have been the one asking you that. Yeah. When did I, when did I become the jaded one of this group? But, but I never even thought to question it. I just assumed, because I've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times, and I haven't closely watched it until this time since I was a kid, I think my assumptions that well he won the court case so of course he's santa claus like, yeah i it it went right by me and like i love too that like the the guy who own who doesn't own the old home folks home but the guy who's the representative from there yeah um where and he was like oh there's that one guy who believes he's the prince of russia and he's a well-standing man in this community and everything but then there's a kind of a great moment near the end too where he's like I don't remember his exact words, but he's like looking at like they're at the Christmas party, and he's he says something along the lines lines where um, he's like, "I guess you really are Santa Claus." Though I never doubted it, <laughs> but yet like he's not this guy who's making toys year round and delivering them. So it's like you said, you have to you have to set the definition of what Santa Claus is. Yeah. But going off of the mythical creature that is Santa Claus, I don't think he is that. I really appreciated that the film never, even after at the end when they win the court case, they never show him in any kind of fantastical setting. They never even show, the only Santa suit that he wears is the mall suit that they got off of the drunk Santa. He, I thought he said that he had his own Santa suit. He was using his own. Uh, uh, well, I, I believe in the beginning he said that he did, but they still peel the suit off of the drunk one to put onto him. And from the looks of it, there was never that, like, now I have the real Santa suit, which is well, you know, it was still like a straggly kind of cheap mall Santa suit. Yeah. There's never the reveal of, of e even, like, let's say that um, they are saying that he is just a crazy old man. Like, if he is that into it, and he's saying that he has his own suit, why don't we ever see him in this elaborate Santa suit costume? Yeah. Uh, all we see is mall Santa. Or a nice man with a with real whiskers and a black overcoat and, and bowler hat, you know? Yeah. One thing that I'm, um, I'm not too sure about, and I want to talk about the ending for the film. Um... So Chris has them drive down this elaborate series of roads, which you live in New York and you're very obviously out of the city. Like I'm surprised they're like, what the fuck is he taking us? <laughs> um, they, they find, they find Susie's house, dream house that had the for sale sign on it. 
and you know they chris had mentioned or the um john payne's character had mentioned earlier that he wanted to get a house in long island and so on and so forth and he takes him to this house um and they find a cane that looks like chris's cane and like i'm just that that ending it's like okay so he took him down this road they don't own this house it's just a random house and then john payne's final line that he wasn't too sure if he was actually i don't i'm just confused by the ending it is uh first off i'd like to point out that this movie at its heart is really a film about spoiling an already spoiled little girl like oh she found a house she likes we better not let her down (laughs) it's true though I also love too. It's like if you can't get me this house, you're just a, you're just a kind man with whiskers, right? I'm like, oh, is this the game we're playing, little girl? <laughs> and and that setup is used in so many films. You you already brought up Tim Allen's The Santa Claus, yeah. Where that's that is the ba- I didn't get the one toy that I wanted, therefore I stopped believing. And that was like, I haven't heard that dynamic in the real world. And I'm not saying that there aren't people out there who. Who stopped believing because they didn't get that toy? But Where's my Castle ever. Grayskull, Santa? Right, like <laughs> this is bullshit. You must not exist. <laughs> like, it, uh, <laughs> um, I'm glad I'm not the only one who picked up on the spoiled child yeah. aspect of this film. <laughs> but yeah, the wording of of his last line that that maybe I didn't do such a wonderful thing after all. I was very confused. I know because, by. like, are you saying like you did a bad thing by by proving that this man is Santa Claus? It's like, are I, you saying that this that this old man broke into this person's house and left a cane? He's all going to murder you now? Like, <laughs> what? Give me like thirty more seconds on this movie and explain what the fuck's happening. I my my belief in what he's trying to communicate is one of two things. Either, and I don't know which one. I have no idea. Either he never really truly believed that it was santa claus and in that minute moment he finally does or (laughs) right or he did believe that it was santa claus and in that moment he realizes that he was a crazy old man maybe i i and i honestly have no idea which but i suspect that it's one of those two things yeah um I don't know if I'm going to rewatch it again this season, but this is definitely a movie I want to rewatch and analyze a little bit more because, like, this is going to take the the magic out of this movie. But say it is the more sinister version where this is just a crazy old... Sinister is the wrong word, but he's just a crazy old man. It completely changes this film. Well, maybe not completely because it makes this young girl believe. And sometimes the hardest part about believing is, is just is convincing someone. Actually, there's a great line in this movie. Uh... Faith is believing in things when common sense so tells you not to. Yeah. Yep. And in that case, say that he is just a crazy old man. He did make this little girl believe that magic is out there. And that's fantastic. Right. But. And she was saying, uh, uh, Doris was saying that, like, I think to a certain extent, is less we need to believe that this is Santa Claus and more we need to just believe in this person that we care about. Mm-hmm. And by not believing in him, we were dismissing him as a crazy old man, rather than a person who cared about us and did things for us. And we need to believe in him as a as a person. Yeah, um, but you know, it definitely bears uh, repeat watching. But w- yeah. what I might watch this year is I've never I I'm be curious to see how the remake t- han- sure. handles this. Inf- I, have you seen the remake? I have not. Um. I do know that George Attenborough plays Chris, and that's just, like, stellar casting. Really spectacular. Spared no expense. <laughs> Dinosaurs. <laughs> um, I, I'd, be, I'd be curious to see how that one handles it, because, like, just doing a, a, a quick, like, Google search, um, it seems like for people have said that the, the remake actually tackles some really heavy material. Okay. Uh, and I'd be really curious to see, you know, what changes with it. You know what I mean? Right. You know, I, it's, it's something I'm curious about now. And, um, I know a good friend of my wife, uh, her name is Emma. She is, um, this is one of her favorite movies of all time. Yeah. And I've not gotten a chance to really talk to her about why, but I know she said it makes her cry every time. So like I, I, this movie definitely works on people and I really love, I think it was a great movie. Uh, I'm just the one thing it didn't do though 
and I'll be completely honest with saying this, it didn't, I think this is a great movie, but it didn't fill me full of the Christmas cheer that other movies did. And maybe part of it's because sure. it's in black and white, and you're, you're <laughs> missing some of the color. I watched the colorized version. Actually. How is that? How is that? I believe in uh, the early 2000s, they released a colorized version of it. I have a, a DVD set with both the black and Damn white. Damn you, and Ted Turner. Yeah. Turner's and new was, classics. And it was it was beautiful. Like, it has that old, like, tinted coloration that... Uh, I, I love the black and white version. I, I noticed more totally unimportant but background details in the colored version that i never would have in the black and white version okay, things well that- as silly as when they're waiting when when the uh the lawyer took um susie to stand in line to meet santa and she's like i don't see what what's the point in this i know it's just a ma- nice man in a suit uh there's another woman around the back of the line that you see through like a door or window or something and she has this ridiculous kind of like uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas? Who hat? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> things like that that I was picking up on in the colorized version that I never would have in the black and white. And that's and it's great because like part of what I think what works for me at Christmas movies is, is part it's part of it's like an oral thing where it's the sound and there's not an overflux of Christmas music in this movie. There's some yeah. of it obviously, but then it's also like Christmas movies have a very specific t- lighting style. Yeah, and. Jingle bells, jingle bells. <laughs> so that's another reason I guess I'm curious to see the the remake. But no, I really like this movie, and I, th- I think it's. Um, I'd go as far as to say it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Um, one more, th- one more uh, discussion I'd like to bring up. Um, so I think the heart of this movie is the dynamic between Chris, Susie, and Doris. Okay that it it's Chris's desire to prove to these two that Christmas is magical and the pragmatism of Susie and Doris um, on how they deal with the wor- world and Christmas as a whole. Yeah. And if you pick up the all of from from the point that uh Santa or Chris first gets um, that that intelligence test to the point that the court case ends, and you lift that out of the movie. All of the core of that movie still holds true. I find it interesting that that court case is so separate from the main bit of that narrative. It's it's I'd say it's a reflection of it. It's like yeah, the. the that micro relationship being presented to the entire state of New York or the entire country or, or whatever. Um, but even when uh, on the last day of the, of the trial, when he gets Susie, Susie's letter and he's reading it and, and the lawyer's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I don't have really anything more. And he's like, I don't care. I got this letter. Like, I don't care about the outcome of this court case and you never get the impression that he does yeah like chris chris couldn't care less about whether or not the world believes he's santa claus or not he doesn't care if he's going to spend the rest of his life in in bellevue he got that letter yeah so he won mm-hmm. like and and just the this big dramatic moment wasn't chris's victory at all like I almost feel like I, if I would have directed this film, I would have had him lose the case, but that he just doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Some, it'd be, some, it'd be some, a sadder ending, though. Right. <laughs> no, nobody gets presents on Christmas morning. Then we would know that it is him. Uh, That'd actually be kind of an interesting ending if, like, people <laughs> woke up and there were no gifts. Yeah. Well, uh, that. Uh, the Rankin and Bass uh, Year Without a Santa Claus kind of tackles that. Also, that Rankin and Bass Year Without a Santa Claus, I would you would have a hard time convincing me unless the the years were inverted, but I, I'm sure they weren't, um, that that Santa Claus wasn't modeled after the Miracle on 34th. The shape of the beard and the way that the cheats and everything are modeled seems like that's what they're trying to capture. 
anyway, I could not dungeon. find a copy of that movie anywhere. Oh, oh no, uh, Life and Adventures oh. of Santa Claus is the one that I. Oh, but no, you're thought of Santa Claus. I have seen that one then. Yeah, that's Snow Miser. Um, yeah, that's a great. Miser. Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. If you can track it down, I actually got it through. God, what's the the company? I, I don't know if they're still offering this, but there was a list of films that one of the big uh, companies had where you could just go on and say, I want a one-off copy of this film that isn't available on DVD. I think it was Warner Archive. Yeah. Uh, and they would, like, just burn you a copy of it. So I have I have a burned copy from them of what The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. Based on a story by Frank L. Baum that wrote The Wizard of Oz. Okay, so uh, it's, it was definitely Life and Adventures of Santa Claus uh, from um, the Warner Archive. They're actually the only place you can get um, uh, Phantom Tollbooth as well. Yep, yep. I, those are the two that I bought through that. Um, Nestor the Long Your Donkey comes with it. Mm-hmm. Well, we have Nessie the uh, Nestor, Nestor. Sorry. Uh, on like four different christmas movie compilations yeah um anyway i got off track it, i we always do yeah um i think we i don't i don't know what else to say about miracle on 34th street i think we had a pretty damn good debate in there <laughs> about what it is what it means to be santa claus yeah, right there was i thought i had one other thing that i wanted to bring up but oh yeah um so in your perspective who is the hero of this film? Who is the hero of this film? If if there is any person that saves the day, who is it? Doris. Okay. Why is that? Um, and it's kind of piggybacking off of what you said before, is because I feel like Susan believing in Chris meant a lot. But that little tacked-on bit at the end where Doris says that she also believes in Chris is, I think, what really got him. is because he got... It's one thing to make a child believe, but to make an adult believe is something be, is something yeah. different. Yeah, some people could definitely say it was John Payne because he helped win the court case. Some people could say it was Chris, but I think it was Doris because I believe Doris's little postscript is what gave Chris the feeling that no matter the outcome, he's happy. Yeah, uh, and you know what, I kind of ended up, I, I w- wanted to ask you this question while I was watching it, and ended up arguing myself um, into kind of a tight spot for this question when I said that uh, Chris is, uh, Chris doesn't really care about the outcome of the, of the court case. What wins the court case, other than the judge needing to be reelected? <laughs> <laughs> and and his campaign manager is Susie. Mm-hmm. Susie wants to write him a letter, right? Mm-hmm. So it's her letter that makes the post office go, oh, we can send all these other letters That's to him true. at the courthouse, which That's is true. the deciding factor of the court case. Without Susie's letter, Chris loses that that court case it's true that's a good point then i guess uh, i would also agree that it is Susie. but i i think your point is right piggybacking off of what i said in that chris doesn't really care what the outcome of the court case is it it certainly changes the tone of the film but um Susie is the hero of the court case not it's it's her and doris together believing that is the hero of of Chris's story. I feel like we could easily re-edit the ending of this film where Chris loses the court case, <laughs> goes insane, runs off, grabs a gun, murders someone, and then it leads into the beginning of Silent Night, Deadly Night, where it right. sees Santa Claus murder his family, and then he becomes a killer Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, I also wonder if there is a point where he, he goes crazy, breaks off, actually moves to the North Pole 
builds a tassel there and actually becomes Santa Claus. <laughs> but like the ruler, like an evil tyrant ruler, like like robot Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> With the was it Neptunians? Yes. Oh, that'd be great. Santa has something very special in his sack for you too. All right. Um, on that note. <laughs> so what have you been watching lately? <laughs> <laughs> Another fine episode of the Shameless Picture Show podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, and we got some holiday cheer in. Hey, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> this is uh, this is definitely our... our uh, if it doesn't hit right on our anniversary, it's going to be nearby. This is our two-year anniversary. Yep. Of the Shameless Picture Show. We've been doing this show for two years. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, right? right? Right. So would this be the kickoff of season three? or No, this would be the finale of season two. Yes. Yeah. And then everything beyond that is season three onward. Yay! I, it's kind of crazy. Like, if you don't mind me just taking a second. No, please. To find out how many episodes we actually have. Um, I'm going to check... SoundCloud. Find us on SoundCloud, <laughs> Stitcher Radio, uh, we've, iTunes. We've done 47 episodes. Wow. And we've recorded 49. Yeah. Correct. So we're, we're pushing 50. Pushing 50. Like, um, in another two years, we'll be at 100. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Not bad for doing bi-weekly show. Yeah. Uh, that means we got... On average, we just missed like one week per year. Yeah, something like that, or, or uh, one one slotted episode per year. Because I think with uh, season one, we did twenty seven episodes. We did we didn't do that many this year, right? But um, you know, still pretty proud of that. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I really appreciate you taking up the mantle of the shame list and carrying it on as I uh, deal with dad life and work life and everything else. Um, it's great to be back and yeah. to knock out a couple more episodes and I'll be back again and yeah, hopefully we'll, things we'll, will calm down soon and I can rejoin you. Totally. We'll figure basis. things out. I'm just curious, as, as a listener now, as a fan of the show, Yeah. do you have any episodes that you particularly liked or guest hosts you particularly liked? Um, I loved... Let me pull up the, the SoundCloud list. Um, what was the first one that you did without me? That was Sizzling Summer Episodes with Ron Pertee. Mm-hmm. No, uh, yes, it was, but I was thinking of Duel. Oh, Duel. That um, was a good one. I really and, and i'm very i haven't listened to it yet but i'm really eager to listen to the high plains drifter episode both of which have kyle arpke on them yeah um i i <laughs> when i listened to the duel episode i i thought to myself not only is this show in good hands but i might be the thing that's holding it back <laughs> why did you think that you i loved your i mean i it's a bit of my natural self-deprecation, but I just I I got a lot out of your guys's discussion. I thought you guys clipped together really well, and uh, hit hit that on levels that I wouldn't have, and I appreciated that. <laughs> oh, I appreciate hearing that. Uh, one of my personal favorites that we did. Um, I, I like the Milwaukee Short Film Festival panel because yeah. I don't get to do panels very often. I watched um, the the video of that. I did not listen to the pod. I don't know if it's the it's the, sa- same. it's the same audio. Okay. okay. Um, uh, but I also really liked the episode that Mina Mance did on Dirty Dancing. Yeah. <laughs> that one's on my shame list, too. Is it really? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Well, um, I guess I'd recommend it. All right, <laughs> I guess... It's funny, I'm looking back through the episodes. Oh, okay, there it was. I was like, where's the... Where, I couldn't find the Sizzling Summer episodes listed, but there it is clear as day. <laughs> but no, I'm glad you've been listening. I'm glad to be keeping up the show. And like you said, we'll have you back on again soon. Um, as I've got to keep remembering to end the show with, you can find us pretty much everywhere. Oh, what's up? 
No, I, w- I was. Oh. Uh, oh, I thought you I were like you had a point. Than you, in. <laughs> you can find us pretty much anywhere podcasts are. You can find podcasts. I uh, Apple iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. We are still work- working on Spotify and a couple other places. But if there's a place that you listen to podcasts and you can't find us, let us know. As always, rate, review, subscribe, and f- you can find us on Instagram at Shameless Picture Show. There we go. Perfect. Well, Nick. Do it. You have a good Christmas. Hey, you too, man.